Our reading for today that I'm going to be preaching about comes from the book of Colossians. Paul writes, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding it with thanksgiving. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Windy Sunday, everybody. What does it mean to receive Christ? The Gospel of John tells us that even though Jesus was born into a world that he created, people did not receive him. Historical records and even the Bible tells us that many rejected Christ and ultimately murdered him. The Jewish leaders eventually motivated the Romans to kill Jesus, as recorded in all of the Gospels. Many rejected Jesus' teachings, his miracles, his claims to be God and his message. Many did not believe him. But... There were still quite a few that did believe him. Many did not reject him. Some believed in him, had their sins forgiven, consequently gained eternal life. Today, some 2,000 years later, after his death and resurrection, we will receive him and gain eternal life too. Listen to this offer from John 1, 11 and 12. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now the Greek word that is translated as receive in this verse is labano, it's a very common word that's used. It means to take, to seize, to grasp, to receive, as well as to take on to oneself something or someone. You kind of heard the phrase, taking a wife. That means to be complied to, to really grab onto, to receive wholeheartedly with truth and dignity to take on Christ himself. We are to receive him. Now, receiving Jesus Christ is simply more, though, than just understanding what the facts are. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. We've got to have that faith we got to have that ability to understand that we need to be with Jesus and him be part of us, to follow him, to rely on. Do we rely on Jesus Christ or do we rely on ourselves? Those are some difficult questions. For some people, they have a tendency to rely upon themselves. They go about their everyday lives as if no worries or cares in the world. Little do they know 
just as we read earlier. The day is coming when there will be two people out in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. And they won't know what hit them. The day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. That's why it is so important for us to walk in Christ. Walking in Christ is nothing less than submission to his lordship. Our Savior calls us to obedience, not that we might earn our salvation, but that we may display our gratitude for his grace. If we love him, if we have love for God poured into our hearts, we will keep his commandments. We had talked about that a little bit earlier. The commandments are laid out. God laid out the commandments for us. And they're not burdensome. If you're walking with God, you will obey his commandments. You don't have to worry about what the Supreme Court decides. But the problem is, again, you have a society that's going about their everyday life, not knowing what's going on, and all of a sudden, the day of the Lord will come, and they will not be ready. Following Jesus as Lord is something we need to do, not just during this hour in church, but every breathing moment in our lives. The true Christian is first and foremost a life of thanksgiving. So how do we walk with Jesus? How do we go on this journey with him? First, we can begin with an earnest desire. Psalm 63, 1 and 2 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a day and weary land, in a dry and weary land, where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. To walk with Jesus means to follow in his footprints. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. You know, if everybody loved everybody, there'd be no war in this world. There'd be no crime in this world. God's commandments are simple, and yet people don't follow them. They're not burdensome. Just follow them. But as we read on, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know then that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we love one another, we're Jesus' disciples. We're followers. We're walking with Jesus because we obey his commands. 1 John 2 says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but they don't follow his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The walk, the walk with Jesus, 
The walk is so important. He's walking beside us during our lives. He's walking beside us, and we need to accept him into our lives. We receive him as we walk with him. We walk in the light. The earlier verses that we read here today talk about children of the light. As long as you're in the light, everything is good. It's those who are in the dark that are in trouble. 1 John, 1 John 1 and 3, 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We need to walk. Do the walk with Jesus Christ. As we have received Christ Jesus, So we walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So we receive Jesus Christ. We walk in him. Now we're going to be firmly rooted, built up, and established in faith. In verse 7, Paul gives us a three-word picture of what it needs to grow in the Christian life. First, we are to be firmly rooted. Now, if you remember the parable of the sower where he's going out sowing some seeds, some of it falls in the rocks and doesn't get much root, and some of it falls on the pathway and doesn't really grow at all, and some of it falls on good soil, so it's able to get good root. Firmly rooted. That's what we need to be. Firmly rooted in Jesus Christ in our walk with him. This means we intentionally drive our roots deep into Christ. And then we are to be built up. This actually means to be built on a solid foundation or a superstructure. If you're built on a sand, you build a house on a sand, what's going to happen when the storm comes and the rains come and the wind comes? That house is going to come crashing on down. But if it's built on a solid foundation, built on a rock, the wind will come and the rain will come and everything will be gushing up against the house and the house will stand because it is firmly rooted and built on a solid rock. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about the foundation in which we are to build upon. talks exactly about what I just said. He said, By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. In other words, somebody's building a foundation. It's kind of like building a house. You've got the concrete guys that come and build the basement, pour the basement. But somebody else comes and builds the rest of the house. If the concrete guys don't have a good foundation to build with, it's going to be pretty tough to build a good house. Each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 
If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. We have to survive our life here despite all the obstacles that are pulling at us apart, trying to drive wedges into our lives. As long as we walk and receive Jesus Christ, we have that solid foundation. No matter what happens to us, we will survive. Jesus ended his Sermon on the Mount with the same figure of speech. Many people work hard at building, but they're building on worthless property. Here's where the rain comes. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Don't be like the foolish people, building their homes on sand, building their lives on sand that will simply just be washed away. Paul mentions also about being established in your faith. The word established has an ideal of making firm or reliable as to make secure or inspire confidence. It's to strengthen, to make true and fulfill. We could use the idiom tried and true to understand what it means to be established. This happens over time, of course. And Paul concludes and says, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. The early church leaders eventually had a formal approach to disciple making. They gave instruction that most likely included life mentoring. They taught with the purpose of building people up so that Christ would stand and become fruitful and build others up as well. You build others up as Christ has built us up. But don't underestimate the importance of the phrase overflowing with gratitude. You and I are responsible for our daily mindset, our daily attitude that we have. A negative attitude, you know what a negative attitude is like? I went through that in my younger years, always with a negative attitude. And you know, today, when I hear people with a negative attitude, I kind of get irritated now. It's like, no, don't have a negative attitude. Because that gets you nowhere. It's kind of like that cloud. If you have a negative attitude, it's like that big storm cloud that's over your head that walks with you wherever you go and is pouring down on you. You need to get rid of that cloud and bring in the sunshine. Bring in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is about being positive, not negative. It's the evil one who is negative. If you want your life to change, you must work diligently and consciously at changing your 
attitudes. You will never mount up with the wings of eagles and soar for the glory of God when weighted down with stinking attitudes. You know, a change of attitude will do so much for your life. When you're positive, people like to be around you. When you're positive, it spreads out and spreads to other people as well. People say, you're always so happy and cheerful. You know, it takes time to develop those traits, but it takes a foundation on which to build those traits upon. If you follow Jesus and receive him, those foundations will develop. Now, of course, this coming week, what is this week? But Thanksgiving week. We celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. It's a day when we get together with family and friends and celebrate all that God has done for us during the past year. But to be honest, I would imagine that for most people, they can't wait to eat. They forget about the prayer. They forget about having a moment of thanksgiving. Why, you know, why not go around the room and say, hey, I want everybody here to tell me what you are thankful for. That's where it starts. And the thing is, when you ask for that, make sure you're the first one to say what you're thankful for. Lead the way. And make sure when you say you're thankful for something that you include Jesus Christ in your message. I am thankful for my family because God has blessed me so richly with these wonderful people that I have in my lives. And then you go on and ask the next person, what are you thankful for? You know, if there's somebody that could be thankless, it would be Paul in our Bible. Do you, after reading this, it kind of makes a person cringe at what he went through, and yet he was still thankful to God because he followed, he walked with Jesus Christ. No matter what happened to him, it did not, let him, it did not bring him down. I'm going to read this to you. It's, it's rather interesting. 2 Corinthians 11 21 through 29. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all of the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. Paul had a very tough life. And yet he's still thankful to the Lord. Think about Job. What he went through. And he did not. He, his foundation was found solid into Jesus Christ. No matter what happened to Job. No matter what happened to Paul. Their foundation in Jesus Christ got them through everything. And so it can be with us. But it all comes with a positive attitude. It allows us to get through that time. If we have that negative attitude, we quickly start going sliding down the hill. We're like that mudslide. All of a sudden, we go sliding on down and there's no stopping it because our negativism is just there. And Jesus is reaching out his hand, trying to reach out for us. Come, come be with me. But sometimes we don't grasp on. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Continue your walk with Jesus Christ. Receive him into your life. Make sure that your walk and your faith is rooted deeply into Jesus Christ, where nothing can pull you out of the ground. Your roots are going to be so deep, they're going to be sitting there tugging away at you, and they're not going to be able to pull you out. You know, it's like sometimes pulling some of them weeds in the garden, boy, they don't want to come out, do they? You're sitting there pulling and tugging and doesn't want to come out. You end up breaking it off. Oh yeah, you want that strength. You want to be rooted in Jesus Christ because that's the way we've been taught. And be thankful for everything he has given us. Be thankful in Jesus Christ. Life is great. Life is wonderful. Remember, we're only here for a short period of time. And then poof, we're gone. We don't know how long we're going to be here. So make the most of it. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Receive Jesus Christ. Walk with him. Be rooted in him. Establish in your faith as you've been taught. And give him thanksgiving each and every day. Amen. May Jesus Christ be with us each and every day in our lives. Give him all the thanksgiving, all the praise, and all the glory. Because without Jesus, we are lost. But with Jesus, we have been found. Amen.